podcast that exists at the intersection of pop culture and academia. We sit down and talk about our favorite stuff through the lenses of what we do and who we are. From Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University, Dr. Melinda Lewis here. I'm your host. I'm here with John Paul Galaski, former Drexel student, current sound mixer for TV and film, and current WKDU DJ at Drexel University. And in the spirit of Halloween, we're talking about Glenn Danzig, the godfather of horror punk, and as frontman for the Misfits, Sam Hain, and the imaginatively titled Danzig. He would become a major influence in punk, metal, and hardcore. And we're going to dive into all things Glenn Danzig today. Cool. Cool. So... To do that, I wanted to know about how you discovered. I'm guessing the Misfits first. Yes, Misfits. Misfits first. Everyone I went to school with was listening to like Michael Jackson. (laughs) I had friends that were kind of more metal kids and somebody made me a tape of Misfits stuff. And I remember my sister brought home like a Bad Brains record and Circle Jerks and, and Sex Pistols and stuff. And I was like, all right. Bad Brains being fast and energetic, and especially when you're 12 years old and riding BMXs and skateboarding. This is like... It's a perfect soundtrack for that. Yeah. And same thing with Earth AD just comes right out of the gates, just like real fast. And then Legacy Brutality stuff, I guess, because it's slower, mm-hmm. but it's all that horror stuff. And I grew up in Philly watching like the Saturday matinee creature double feature, you know, it made sense. And then, you know, here's somebody who is embracing that and also doing it like fast and loud. It's not like thriller monsters. Yeah. And there's something, something that always attracted me to just how raw it was. Punk stuff was just dirty and like, it sounded like something, you know, my friends and I could do too. And I think it was in that way, it was also just relatable. You know, everything, especially in the 80s, was super overproduced. I mean, you know, at some point it's like when Miami Vice was on TV and like that kind of dancey pop music was like clean and produced so i came through with danzig first and probably way too late and then that that got me into the misfits and i think the rawness also goes into the lyrics like i got something to say like i I killed a baby today like that (laughs) i'm interested (laughs) i'm interested in where this narrative is gonna go sir It, it definitely was not what you were hearing on the radio American Top 40 originates in Hollywood. Here's the recent number one... Definitely hit at the right time for me. Yeah. And it makes sense just because they always had a a good relationship with Philadelphia. Well, they're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. An old friend of mine used to book when they would play here, like at Love Hall down at Broad and South. And I'd hear stories from other people that they would sometimes just come down to shows there. I mean, that was like the punk venue back, back in that period. And, you know, they'd roll up in, I don't know, I think someone said Danzig had like an old uh, Cadillac, you know, exactly <laughs> what course, you expect, yeah. some big like boat. And they'd roll, With and like they were- like horns on the front and- They were like all but as dressed up as they were on stage when they would go out. Like they went out and it was like, oh, the misfits are here kind of thing. <laughs> you know, they just were like, they were in it. My friend had posters from the first Sam Hain show, mm. but he- went up there because a Philly band, Die, played that show in New York. And he goes up to Glenn's mom's house and he pulls up in his car and the garage door is open and it's Glenn is sitting there silk screening. 
the posters for the show. <laughs> and a lot of that old Misfit stuff, he would screen himself. Man. They were a DIY band. You know, they didn't have anyone. They put out the records themselves. They printed their own T-shirts. They did the Fiend Club. They were committed as any other DIY punk band back in the day. So I, th- I think that's also part of it, why it resonated with people. Like, they were they were the real deal. They knew New Jersey, they knew New York, they knew Philadelphia, you know, down to D.C., and they had friends in all those cities and stuff. But then, like, driving through central United States, that had to be bizarre, (laughs) just because they stood out, you know? I imagine it's like Scooby-Doo, except less mystery. Except probably (laughs) more angry cops. What are we doing here, Glenn? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, or the beginning of, like, a horror film. (laughs) Where the city people are lost in the sticks, and someone sends them down the wrong road, and that's it. fascinated by all the fan fiction around Danzig like where they would love to see him in a scenario that would clearly make him miserable I feel like the level of creeper of Misfits fans is probably untouched by anyone else out there (laughs) his poor mother just having kids in mesh tank tops and like devil locks show up to her door yeah I, I mean I know she lived at the same house in New Jersey for years when they finally cleaned it out when they were cleaning out the basement they found boxes of old misfit stuff <laughs> like merch that was never sold and you know that stuff went out onto the auction market or something I guess or they mm-hmm. sold it on one of the websites but yeah there's probably a lot of creeps on the lawn <laughs> <laughs> well and I think that and then even of... his house in LA yeah that's why it had like a giant wrought iron fence around it and there'd be pictures of people posing in front of it. And he's out there trying to just wash his car or something, or, you know, <laughs> by kitty litter. And everyone's like taking pictures. And it's like, just leave the dude alone. Like, yeah. Well, it's hard when you have like a de- demons don't typically have moms, right? Demons don't buy kitty litter. I think that that's part of the disconnect of like the dude's just trying to make sure his house doesn't stink. Um, he's just trying to take care of his cat. Which, I, you know, I don't know what that says, that that picture blows people's minds so much. He's kind of private. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, so there is a persona that like with the Portlandia thing. Mm-hmm. Let me share with you what I have found. Are you familiar with Billy Bong? Uh. Kind of fratty, but they pop. Because they're like, he doesn't think anything's funny. It's like, okay. (laughs) I think he does, you know. He grew up, like, reading comic books. Like, Mm -hmm. he's he's, definitely has a sense of humor. And I also think that he's very aware of his image as Danzig and, like, him taking care of his cats in his Santa Barbara home. (laughs) But that doesn't fit with the same person who is, like, behind... Sam Hain. I'm more sure impressed like that he br- had wolves, <laughs> like in that one video. <laughs> Where he's just running and howling with the wolves? Yeah. Yeah. I see him as not being earnest, but instead, I know he loves wrestling and him playing a part, but he is playing the villain in his own wrestling plot. I can see that. But when he's actually on stage... He always seems to enjoy it. He's smiling. He's talking to the crowd. He's like, anything you guys want to hear? Like, you guys having a good time? Just, I, I think he's the point where he appreciates his audience. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're there. Because, you know, without that, there's there's no show. Yeah, and I think he also expects the audience to respect him. Like, there is a boundary between me and the fandom. Maybe that goes back to some of the Rebel Without a Cause era of 
like the wholesome fifties, but there's also people that are just like, nope. I mean, the fact that the Misfits comes from the Marilyn Monroe like movie and his fascination with like the fifties, but at the same time, his complete disdain for like what the fifties represented in terms of like cookie cutterness, commercialism, and like stuff that was forced down your throat, man, like the Who and you know things that came out of the sixties, but. Also, his whole vibe is taken from, like, the wild ones, like biker culture of the 1950s and West Side Story. Like, all this Elvis stuff, because he's always kind of going back to this particular period of music and showmanship and the artifice. But clearly loves popular culture, but also seems to hate it at the same time. It's obviously the Marilyn Monroe thing, but then like the old horror sci-fi films were all very outsider. Mm. Like the stuff that he's into, the stuff that they use, the images of different films of that era, which were definitely the equivalent of punk rock. I mean, they were mm. like pie tins as UFOs and, and the stuff was like real do-it-yourself. Who are you? I'm known to my associates as the Crimson Ghost. But in my other personality, however, I am one of your select little group of scientists at the university. And the stuff this was cheap, so they would show it all the time on Saturday and Sunday afternoon. I mean, I remember coming home on like Sunday afternoons and watching just old old horror films, like old black and white horror films for sure. That's what for me is so interesting about The Misfits is like this 1950s like upbeat music mixed with like obscenities and terror and the abject like the things that we shouldn't be doing like thinking about the influence that they had on a band like Metallica Guns N' Roses is it the bass player he did a Misfits song you know and that was like the absolute peak of that band who was probably one of the biggest bands in the country at the time they're mm-hmm. giving respect to them talk about the legacy yeah. Yeah. At least in the punk world, especially because they started in the 70s, they were there at the beginning for sure. They were groundbreaking. I mean, they invented the horror punk genre. And look (laughs) at the influence it's had over the last 40 years. Like at the end of the day, Danzig produces albums. You know, he does has written songs for other people, too. Mm -hmm. Because didn't he write at least one song for Johnny Cash? I think so. Yeah, some stuff like that. It's still kind of in the same world. It's not really diversifying. but Yeah, it's not like he's writing for Beyonce. That we know. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> if, if we find out that he wrote If I Were a Boy, I would be so very pleased. Pop the Question is brought to you by Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. Pannoni Honors College is invested in undergraduate research, scholar development, and interdisciplinary scholarship. With students from various backgrounds and academic fields of study, the Honors College engages its community in complex ideas. Info at drexel.edu slash Pannoni. That's P-E-N-N-O-N-I. Pannoni Honors College, a place for active learning, high achievement, and community. Like, okay, so you you see, like, a 12-year-old who's listening to, like, God knows what, and you're like, I'm going to change your life. This is the misfits, and they're like, Oh, sir, what is the Misfits? Yeah, see, this is also just a different... I mean, they can just... It's weird, because if they know what they want to hear, they can go on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music or something and Mm -hmm. find it. 
like when I started in college radio, it was before you could get music on the internet. Like I already knew the Misfits when I heard it, but there was a lot of bands that that was the first place I heard it was was right here. Mm. You know, now it's just a different era where all that stuff is accessible. I think it it also ushers in like a new way of just approaching music because yes, it's accessible, but it's really hard to find if you don't already have the impetus to find it. You don't have that like communal experience of like, hey, I just got this record. Like, come over, bring some Doritos. Well, that and that's now it's like walking into an Amazon warehouse with the lights off and trying to find yeah and like toothbrush plowing through like somebody has to tell you oh you should do this but algorithms aren't really the same as your sister bringing no and that's what i mean like a person actually doing like sharing a spotify playlist or something those records would go through years where they were out of print Mm. so even if you were going out and buying those records you were buying them on the used market so the band's not getting any of that money i mean that was part of the lawsuit i think was was how they were dividing the take up Mm. because glenn didn't want to do anything with it like he wasn't going to play shows as the misfits but then basically the control of the stuff went to Jerry only. Mm. There's some company that does licensing and branding and stuff. Basically approached them and wanted to use the Crimson Ghost stuff and the Misfits logo. They can put the logo on it and you get X percent of mm-hmm. the sale of any of those products. But I think at some point that stuff just spirals out of control, which I'm sure did not help their relationship for <laughs> years. You know, And then especially seeing... Shot glasses at gas stations and yeah. shower curtains and Uggs. And, and it's possible that someone gave me a Misfits fleece throw <laughs> as a Christmas present like once. For your couch? Yes. It's not a snug. It doesn't have sleeves. <laughs> Unfortunately. Oh, I would wear that when I go out and check the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure my neighbors really think I'm weird. I think that Danzig is somebody who relies so much on, in a lot of ways, ego. And like, under. I think it would be satisfactory to him to understand that he has, in some ways, created all of this. What is it, the Lion King? Where he's like, see, wherever the sun hits is yours. I imagine that's him with Jerry <laughs> only. <laughs> on the, but then do you think on he... the reunion tour, like, Doyle, come, look. Wow. You know, some people just want to playing a band because that's what all their friends are doing but then there's there's people that definitely want to be performers like you always hear these stories about Danzig oh my god he threw a fit blah 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 blah, blah something or other every time I've seen him play he looks like he's having the time of his life I also feel like he is somebody compelled to do it like I don't know if he can't not do it I would almost be curious <laughs> what those guys would do if they did something else. Well, yeah, I can't imagine Danzig working at a desk. I imagine him with an Etsy store, just putting together horror paraphernalia, um, selling like vampire teeth whittled from wood. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't Hopefully, know. Hopefully, yeah, he sticks with the music for a while. Yeah. A couple more years at least. What do you think his side hustle would be? Maybe something in horror films. He's a very theatrical person. I think that if he had the chance to be in like a Vincent Price horror film, he would have jumped at the chance. When I was a kid, when I first heard Sam Hain and then later Danzig, initially I was like, whoa, this is metal. And then it like grew on me over the years. And then also just seeing them live. Mm. When did you see him live? Either 89 or 90 mm. at the Trocadero here in Philly and Soundgarden opened for them, but it was great. And then especially, oh man, that uh, Danzig Legacy. I thought that was gonna be the closest thing I'd see to the Misfits with Glenn singing. Mm -hmm. So 
I didn't go to Riot Fest and then regretted it. And then when they announced the Vegas show, I was like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> and it was better than I expected. Really? Yeah. My sister went with us to the show in North Jersey. And being on the floor almost felt like you were in a venue that was more thousand people, something like that. And then every so often I'd look around and be like, oh, my God, there's like six levels to this place. And it's, <laughs> it's like a 14,000 person venue and it was sold out. Mm-hmm. And there's people up to the rafters. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is nuts. shows a lot of it was like sort of the video walls but those giant skull there's skulls everywhere like the mic stands were like skeletons with microphones sticking out of the skull <laughs> and the kind of cartoony giant grinning jack-o'-lanterns from mm-hmm. the from the original halloween seven inch someone brought to life like during vampira it was it was clips from like old movies mm-hmm. it was perfect it's very theatrical and then at one point, across the whole stage, huge, it just starts dripping blood. And all I kept thinking of was that thing from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, where he's like, I'm going to line this thing with gargoyles for the sacrifices. Now, uh, is there a way to get the blood to flow up the walls? I don't see why not. Kill it. Did you ever imagine the day that the misfits would get back together? I mean, it, it didn't seem likely all those years with the lawsuits. Mm-hmm. But you also... Over time, you know, people change. They get over grudges, stuff like that. You could tell that all of them were having a blast being on that stage. Like, while they're playing at one point, Jerry Only's playing bass and singing, like, at the crowd. And Glenn comes up behind them and, like, leans on them. And they're both, like, sharing a microphone and singing. And at one point, Glenn's yelling at the guy that was doing the spotlight. Mm. And he runs and he hides behind Doyle. Again, it goes back to that. They've been doing this since they were kids. Mm-hmm. And there's over 10,000 people that paid a lot of money to come and see their band and sing along. You have to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a band that used to play Maxis Kansas City in New York in their prime. It is interesting to think about like the, the range of influence of like a band, particularly a band that is in some ways so local and regional. But There's no band that's like them. about this man who is so powerful on stage so powerful in life it blows my mind that he is a normal person maybe part of me there's certain things i don't i don't need to know or don't want to know not that it's a mystery but certain mysteries are better unsolved Hmm. you know kind of leave it as it is i don't want to say i don't care i guess it's a very ethical and nice way to approach other human beings is not demanding yeah but sometimes it'll just it also even it'll just ruin it for you you know (laughs) well thanks john paul for hanging out and talking to us about all things danzig and misfits and samhain and yeah danzig and yeah thanks for having me here you're welcome happy halloween happy halloween (laughs) everybody one and all yeah thanks again that was really fun it makes me realize i I need to step up my halloween decorations and (laughs) get some big jack-o'-lanterns it's the season The question was researched and hosted by Dr. Melinda Lewis. Our audio engineering and theme was produced by Brian Cantoric. All of this was done under the directorship of Erica Levy-Zellinger, the deanship of Dr. Paul Morans-Cohen, and Pannoni Honors College at Drexel University. Thank you.